Welcome back to Podcast 15 of 2024. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Oddsbreakers and follow us on social media slash The Oddsbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetMGM. For a $150 bonus when you bet five bucks, please visit theoddsbreakers.com slash bet now or this podcast description Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to support the Icebreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theicebreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any for winning cappers. You get the premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. If nothing else, please visit the Icebreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. All right. Well, I'm sure college basketball is on everyone's minds, but also... There is the NFL draft coming up as well as Major League Baseball. And no better guest to bring on than VEASAN and Gold Boys Discord, Will Hill, to break down a massive weekend of sports as well as some future bets coming up for the 2024 Major League Baseball season. Before Will comes on, I want to talk about something that's way more important than sports betting and uh, important to me. And I'm sure many of you, uh, one of our returning guests, reoccurring guests, I should say, not returning, uh, reoccurring guests, uh, and a very good friend of mine, Las Vegas, Chris, Chris Zanuck, from uh, Wager Talk, and many other things, as you know, he does shows on YouTube with Ron, and uh, been a very good friend of mine over the past four or five years, we talk almost every day. Uh, announced that he's been going through cancer. And uh, he did a very long uh, YouTube video on it, and uh, it's a very helpful video. And, uh, you know, he kept it to himself. Him and his wife were the only people that know, didn't even tell his family, didn't tell his friends. I mean, I myself, you know, always, I always noticed patterns in his behavior, but he's such a, a busy man. I, would, I never would have guessed this. But that just shows how good of a job he did and hiding it. And I completely respect that. As a matter of fact, uh, it's uh, something that, you know, it's hard to feel like you have to be in the pity position, you know, everyone pitying you. I wouldn't want people to pity me and, and, and treat me differently for a situation that I want to tackle necessarily. Now, I'm sure he would have said something if it turned for the worse, but the great news is they beat it. He went through hell and beat it. And this whole video he does explains all the ins and outs of going through this process. My mother had uh, colon cancer herself, and uh, it wasn't that that got her at the end. It was eventually uh, the heart issues from the chemotherapy and the radiation, you know. And uh, Chris was young enough and strong enough to get through a lot of that and very proud of him and very proud of him for the way that he announced it and how he's trying to help everybody else with this situation uh, just by explaining the ins and outs and the do's and don'ts of how to go through this, whether it's you that it could happen to and <laughs> cancer is so prominent, it's going to happen to one of us, if not many of us, or uh, a family member and how to help deal with that. So wanted to give a huge shout out to Chris and all, and my thanks to him for what he has done to the community and my 
deepest respect for uh, the strength that he has and put forth in order to make that video. When you get a chance, listen to it. It's probably about an hour and 15 minutes long. Uh, you can listen instead of just watch if you, you're on a walk or at the gym or something, but it's very, very informative, even to the point where you wouldn't expect even yourself to ask some of those questions that are very important that he helps to answer uh, on how it went through and affected his experience. So uh, bravo to Chris and uh, very happy that he has come out of this uh, with a clean slate. All right. I want to talk quickly about college football. Now, man, if you thought it couldn't get any more messy, well, it's just gotten worse. You know, I've always been in favor of a larger playoff because it causes conferences to be biased and you can see how networks care about ratings and money influences it. You see how that worked in the NFL this year. You see how it works in all sports. And sadly, it's just like a, a disease that has filtered into sports. I guess you can call it money, but it starts with the networks and filters through the conferences and then into the teams itself. And uh, it's sadly something that isn't regulated because the leagues in itself are benefiting from it, you know. Uh, as I said years before, I don't know how somebody could be a, let's just say, Grizzlies fan in the NBA. I, I don't know how you could do that. You're most likely never going to win. Um, and maybe you get lucky and build a good team, but the truth is is that your market's not big and you will always be uh, looked at as somebody that they'd rather not see in the finals. You know, I say that about Major League Baseball, Baltimore, uh, situation where it's hard to keep players. Sports has not been an even playing field, even though it should be an even playing field. It's the only type of system where you want even competition for fairness. Well, it's actually going to get worse now that the Big Ten and the SEC have so much power. They're actually going to change it to 14 playoff teams and give those conferences minimum of three bids. I believe the ACC and the Big 12 have a minimum of two, but how is that even plausible here? Because if you're guaranteeing two from like an ACC that maybe Clemson and Florida State are really down this year and Miami hasn't come back, what if they're just not in the top 15 or not top 20 themselves? You know, how is that fair to other teams that might be even in the Big Ten or the Big 12 that should be in the playoffs, right? But then you make the argument, well, if it was a four-team, they went to all made it anyway. Well, it should have, that doesn't matter. It should have never been a four-team itself. And then you have the issue where the SEC and the Big Ten will want both buys. And if you don't split the buys between them, they're going to say there is bias, you know? So there's just going to be all kinds of arguing going on, but the conferences itself are going to try to favor the networks and somehow make it so their biggest draws are always going to be in this situation. And sadly, it is all influenced by money. It is very influenced by money. You can 
dive into some of these big games where some big teams should have lost, and you can see what happened. I find it funny that there's still a narrative out there, a very popular narrative that Vegas comes in and makes the decision on a, a bad call. You know, it's actually the complete opposite. Vegas is actually the more regulatory system, and they want to call out inconsistencies. They want equality on both sides to make sports betting a fair and viable thing as a recreation for people in order for it to be continued and legalized. They These books do not want any malpractice or ill will within the games itself. The networks, on the other hand, they want to make money. They want to make money. If you are turning off a big game at halftime because it is a blowout, that is bad for the networks. And you can kind of see how the big money teams coming in end up being the benefactor in situations where they easily could have lost. So I'm very much worried for college football that it's not necessarily going to get better based upon these playoff schemes. I think it actually could still get worse. Now, the good news is if you're a Badger fan like me, you can at least make the playoffs. I mean, that's nice. But do I completely trust the integrity of the sport when there's two big sides making money coming in? Definitely a heck of a lot less. Let's face it. There should at least be one organization like the NCAA that has no power to have the league in itself in order to oversight equal competition and equal fairness. Having the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, what's left of the Pac-12, which is nothing really, and the ACC turns out to be an absolute mess. Because these are separate organizations looking out for themselves, influencing things to work out in their favor. And they have to. Because if they don't do it, the other conferences will. So as I'm definitely happy that there is more playoff teams, there is still many problems I'm seeing here in college football with all the guarantees, with all the separation of conferences, and I think at some point, I almost would rather have no national championship if we're going to see a bunch of influence come in from all the networks and the big dollars behind these conferences in itself. I mean, we're going to see what happens, but I am not liking so far uh, some of the guarantees that they have. There should be no guarantee that your conference gets anybody in and any selection should be done in a completely unbiased matter with smart people, not journalists, but smart people, Vegas people, people that understand points and spreads and who would be favored in each game rather than the conferences influencing it themselves. All right, my friends, let's get into a little NFL, Major League Baseball, and College Basketball with our wonderful guest, Mr. William Hill. This segment was brought to you by AG1. Why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder and water once a day 
Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food source ingredients of high quality that give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash oddsbreakers or click on our podcast episode description. Now I'm very excited to welcome back an amazing sports better and great friend of the show and Mr. Will Hill from Bear Bets VSIN as well as the Gold Boys Discord. You can follow Will on Twitter at not the Will Hill. Will, thanks for coming back on the show. It's late winter. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been keeping track of some some of the weather. It's been like going up to like 60, 70s, and then down to 20. I, I don't know. It's at least at least in the Midwest. How's it over there in Connecticut? It's okay. We've had some flashes of spring and you, know, you mentioned the date. Uh, we can very quickly here do something that's very important, and that is turn the calendar to March. Because once you turn the calendar to March, everything just feels better. It sounds better. Uh, I don't know how you feel. I'm, I'm doing a lot of content, man. Everything pushed back is killing me. The fact that the selection's not till St. Patrick's Day. Usually we're like in the first or second round by St. Patrick's Day in past tournaments. Now we're not going to get that first Thursday and Friday of the tournament until like the 20th, 21st. These smaller conference tournaments usually start like late February. By March 1st, 2nd, 3rd, we have some title games. Those don't start till like March 6th or 7th. So everything is pushed back. It's throwing me off a little bit. But look, wasn't that long ago we were, we were sitting here this time of year during a pandemic and everything got shut down and we didn't have any games. So I guess I shouldn't complain. But uh, definitely, definitely notice it this time of the year with, uh, with everything being pushed back because the time between the Super Bowl and March Madness is so diminished now with, uh, with the extra the week of football with the week 18 that it feels like it just boom super bowl to conference tournaments but this this year it does does feel a little longer with everything just dragged out a little bit yeah it does man well february 29th you know that's today we got a extra day they threw in so they're they're delaying march right yeah almost feels like it a little bit february Tell them to keep their extra day of february we don't need more february we need more march <laughs> that's right like make july like 40 days take out yes. yeah, yeah, yeah that'll that'll fix it right well, you know, daylight saving time is coming up too, so that's always a challenge when it comes to the nation. But man, yeah, uh, you're right. It's 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 pushback. I'm okay with the pushback because I just want more days of college basketball. If it just feels like I'm getting more days, so I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I wish that the Super Bowl wasn't pushed up so much, and not, you know, we we discussed that a little bit. But here we are, and there's massive games this weekend. What's interesting is that some of the small conference tournaments should start next week, which is you're right. It usually starts at the end of February, but now it's going to start next week. Um, I think it's, it's going to be interesting. I dive into those a little bit. Uh, the big conference tournaments definitely the week after, and that's going to be possibly uh, di- dictating where some of these bubble teams go. But before we get into college basketball, which is our main focus, there's a lot of stuff going on. We got NFL, the draft, uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, you know, I want to just touch on those things. Do you have any draft thoughts right now? Um, I mean, you know, I'm a Bear fan. I'm going to focus on the Bears a little bit, but. Do you think there's any chance that it's not Caleb Williams at number one? I, I think two things can happen. Uh, I think Caleb Williams is number one, but what, what are your thoughts on the first couple picks? Uh, I think the draft starts at two. I think it's becoming more clear that uh, if you read some of the comments by by the Bears that, hey, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when they trade fields and, hey, we want to do right by and get them right situation, Do you know, all those sorts of things. Uh, if you if you just read between the lines, they, they are going to take a quarterback. I would imagine it's Caleb Williams. I can't bet the draft in Connecticut. If I, I'm almost glad I can't because I might be 
tempted to lay the minus 900 and just hey, uh, put the, put that away somewhere and just take my free whatever 100 bucks risk risk 900 risk nine dollars to win a dollar and move on because yeah. I, I do think there's very little chance it's not Caleb Williams. And then the draft starts at two. The, the question for me is obviously it's it's uh, Daniels or May at two. The question for me is at three, does New England, if they don't like what they see at two, like if, if their guy goes at two, let's just say, hey, we really like May or we really like Daniels. We don't like the other one. Do they trade up to two? And when you're doing these you know, mock drafts or content, it's hard to project trades up. Um, but if they, let's just say Washington really likes a guy at two, they stand pat, they take him. Does New England sit there at three and say, hey, our guy's not there. We're not going to take a quarterback just to take a quarterback. We're going to trade out. And that opens up some extra things to – I don't know, some of these teams on the fringes, like, you know, Minnesota, Denver, the Raiders, some of these guys, the Falcons, some of these guys that need a quarterback. Uh, and Cousins can't play for all these teams, and Cousins is going to be a hot commodity here. Does that open up uh, a trade possibility? So, to me, it's going to be Caleb Williams, then a quarterback at two for Washington, then at three uh, is where it gets interesting. So, I don't, I don't know if you you know agree or disagree with any of that. No, I agree. I, I totally agree. Uh, I for a while, I thought that there might be a chance taking the field instead of Caleb Williams, but I'm sure I'm wrong about that. But here, here's what I'm also going to say. I think it's going to be a lot of BS being thrown at the Bears and us, and here's why. Right now, Washington, and they're already starting to do this. They're looking at guys like Drake May and, and, and Daniels, and they're going to act like they're really in love with them, you know, just to get a better value to try to trade with the Bears because you know Clint Kingsbury's there for a reason. And he was spent our time with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams last year. It's almost like, seriously, dude, are you going to try to act like you don't want this? But no, the Bears aren't going to bite for it. Now, I'm not saying the Bears won't trade it, though. As a Bears fan, they have struck out so many freaking times thinking they're smarter than everybody else, but it just proves that they were on the opposite side of that. Uh, it, it's always been frustrating. You know, you can see the Shea McClellan draft pick, the, obviously Trubisky, we don't have to get into anymore. I think they finally actually had a good draft last year. But um, I, Caleb Williams, to me, would have been drafted first last year and probably this year. I'm okay with it. Um, I I think he's got some issues that are any young kid could have issues. I think, you know, living in L.A., he's done some funky things. But you know what? The kid's got a sidearm throw. He looks great. I think he's the best pick of the draft. Um, and so I'm, I'd be okay with the Bears picking him at first. But I think that what they're going to do is trade to Washington, get a haul, and they'll just pick Jaden Daniels. And I like that. I, I don't hate it. I I don't know what to think about Daniels because, you know, he was bad when he didn't have good coaches with ASU, then had an amazing year last year, but he looks like a Lamar Jackson. He, he, he makes some really good throws, possibly even more accurate. And uh, the NFL has just moved more and more towards quarterbacks with legs. You know, it has. Now, if you get a haul, is the risk difference enough to justify going from a possible Hall of Fame guy to Jane Daniels? Well, here's the problem with the Bears. If Caleb Williams turns out to be the man, it's just gonna make them look bad again, you know. Horrible. People be like, Horrible. the two best quarterbacks, Mahomes and Caleb Williams. The Bears passed up on him, and, and it's almost like, is that worth the risk? I mean, to me, I, it is because I don't. For all we know, Daniels could end up better than Williams, but I'm okay with either situation right now. Unfortunately, they have to get rid of Fields, and the truth is, 
The Bears organization is so bad, Fields might even be better than both of these guys. I I honestly don't know if Fields is not. You know, I it, when quarterbacks are in a bad organization and poorly coached and all the changes that he went through, there's a chance that he could be very good still. And But the problem is you can't take the risk because if they keep him, don't grab Caleb or, or whatever, Fields automatically holds out for a ton of money because it is just so embarrassing for the Bears. It's just it's just a situation you have to be rid of. But I would rather have a Jaden Daniels where you have much less money to pay him and a rookie contract where you can build everybody up and build around that rather than uh, a Justin Fields where you still don't know. So I, I think that makes sense. And, yeah. I, and, and I do think you're right that we should lay nine uh, 900 to win 100 on this bet too. Yep. Uh, then, uh, boy, I'd have a hard time. And, you, and you're closer to this. You're following it more than I have a hard time seeing them trade out of the pick. Because if you trade, if you draft Caleb Williams and it doesn't work out, you know what? You'll be disappointed. But nobody can say, oh, my God, how could you draft the kid? He was the consensus number one. If you get cute here and you trade down and you take Daniels and Caleb Williams, like you said, goes on to be a star, Hall of Famer, top eight, top five quarterback. It's just been, oh, my God, the Bears did it again. Yeah. They outthanked them, outthunk themselves. So I don't know. Uh, you might be right, but again, I think it's. I do think it's Caleb one. I do think the Bears keep the pick, and then you know we'll start to see what happens here at uh, at two or three. Do they get the? Do they do they get the two back? Because you know they had Montez Sweat trade that too. They have number one, number nine. I'm okay with uh, getting a two for Fields um, if that's happening. Um, I don't see why it wouldn't happen if you know teams really like him. I think I'm hoping there's a bidding war. You know, a lot of people throwing out Atlanta. I've heard New England. I've heard a few things. It doesn't seem like New England style to do that myself, but maybe they change after Belichick. But do you think they can get a two for um, a quarterback that's going to have to be paid like like uh, like him? Yeah, I think two's in the ballpark. Maybe like a three and a five, a two and a six, maybe two and something. Yeah, but I think I think you're in the ballpark, and you you hit on it where. Uh, ideally, you have two teams trying to bid for him, and that jacks up the price. But I think you're in the ballpark. I don't think they're getting a one. Um, but but a two's a nice pick. Two's two's really valuable because you don't have to pay that second round pick a lot. Uh, you get that extra year of control, I believe. So those those second rounders are very valuable. All right. Well, let's pivot on to Major League Baseball, and obviously, spring training is happening. I'm heading out to the Cubs game with my son and my daughter right after this because they have half days at school, parent-teacher conferences. Think my think I my wife can handle that, and I can go to the game and just uh, get there at about right when it starts. So it's kind of perfect. But uh, I'm excited for that. Uh, Bellinger was just signed. Uh, I personally think that Boris got fleeced a little bit for what he usually wants. Um, he says the market's bad for it, and, I mean, the market proved itself. I mean, if you look at these top contracts, <laughs> there's some really bad ones out there, man. And I think teams are just like, you know what, we're finally realizing that uh, the risk is too much, and uh, they sat out and they caved. Now, don't get me wrong, $30 million bucks this year and opt-out potentials is, is great for Bellinger too I, I think I think it's not like he, they got completely fleeced but I'm pretty happy with the contract uh, so maybe mention that in any other any major league baseball season win totals that you played yeah it's amazing I mean we got a two-time Cy Young winner in Blake Snell who's still not signed I mean we're not that far away from the season Matt Yankees Chapman. man the Yankees might sign him yeah, I'm not buying that. I, I think that's <laughs> Boris, and I believe that's another Boris guy. I think that's Boris using the Yankees as leverage. Uh, if I had to guess, I think ultimately he ends up with the Giants because that's a team they've been looking to burn money. They, they just missed out on Carlos Correa. They were in the mix for Judge. 
They uh, who else? Oh, Otani. They tried to pull the trigger on. So and, and they're not in the same conversation with the Dodgers right now. So they need a splash. They need an upgrade. And with the current landscape of baseball, if you could just get in the playoffs, anything can happen. If you start a, a short series with Logan Webb and Blake Snell, that's a pretty good duo. So I, I ultimately think he ends up with the Giants. The Yankees is just not their mo to spend that kind of money. But uh, Cubs are gonna have a chance here to win a really you know that's a bad division. The Centrals it just seems like they're year in year out. Those are the two weak the uh, the weak divisions, the weak sisters, both Centrals, the AL and the NL. What a collapse that was last year for the Cubs with a chance to get in the playoffs. And yeah. The Diamondbacks take their spot, and the Diamondbacks go all the way to the World Series. Cubs were dropping five balls late in the season. I mean, they lost games all different sorts of ways to uh, to blow that playoff opportunity. But I, I did Ryan. play a couple win totals. Yeah, I, I did play a couple win totals. I think the Rockies are in for a very long season. 59.5, I played under. Uh, I think there's still a 60.5 out there. To me, this team's going to lose 105, 110 <laughs> games. When you're playing something that low, there's not that much wiggle room. But if you look at the pitching, they have no pitching, and that's a bad ballpark in a bad division to have no pitching in. Uh, they're going to have to play the Dodgers 14 times, who are just going to be a machine. The Diamondbacks 14 times, who just went to the World Series. Giants still a pretty good team. The Padres are due for some positive regression with their poor luck and extra inning games. Last year they went 1-12 in extra innings, which is just hard to believe. So to me, the Rockies under uh, is a play. Ooh, that's and I pretty play low, too. On- is it 60 right now? Yeah, I'm 16 and a half, 59 and a half, of course, shop around. Okay. Um, played a couple other owners. I played the Mets under. I just don't think they have a lot of pitching. Their one good starting pitcher is Senga, and he's hurt. He's not going to pitch opening day. Who knows when he'll be back? He's had a history of missing time back in Japan, and it's just that's a lot of fourth and fifth starters they're trying to piece together with Jose Quintana and Joey Lacesi and Adrian Hauser. There's just there's not a lot of pitching, and that's a division two where they play the Braves and Phillies at combined 28 times. The Marlins made the playoffs last year. The Nationals are up and coming, and uh, they're going to be improving at some point with all the stuff they got for Juan Soto and Scherzer. So I did play Mets under wins as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, that, it's funny. Their their win total went from the high, the high 90s or something last year to like 81, yeah. and you still like them under. Wow. Uh, that is – yeah, I mean, it's a big step, but they also were bad last year. And, wow, a lot of bad contracts on there as well. Um yeah, I mean, I'm I I'm just gonna do go the Homer way, but I, I think I make some sense in here. I took over eighty three and a half for the Cubs, and I think you kind of mentioned they underachieved and they blew it at the end. But it was a lot of one score games at the end, and their pie tag is what like in the nineties. You know, yep. I mean, they, they should have won like uh, at least ninety some games. But then then you look at the changes here. They got Bellinger back now. They got their they got everybody back that they need. You know, uh, I think that Swanson's going to have a great year. Nico Horner's going to have a great year. They still have the guys, but they should be better this year because, I mean, their pitching should be better. Uh, Tyone had a horrible first two-thirds of the year, or at least first half of the year, and he's gotten better. Uh, Justin Steele's still there. Uh, you know, Imanaga is a question, but he's supposed to be in the starting rotation. Wicks. It had a great start, I thought, as a, a guy coming out of the farm system. And uh, you you have to think that the Cubs pitching should be better. I still think they're going to be an over team. I still think there's going to be a lot of runs scored with the Cubs. But how do you not upgrade your manager and still be 83 and a half and your favorite to win the division? I mean, I mean, how bad is the central? Uh, if if the favorite is only a win total of 83 and a half, I'm starting to look and I see a lot of 84 and a halves right now. I just bet this yesterday, 
But, dude, uh, it, it, it blows my mind that the team that's favored to win has only 83.5 wins. And I will tell you this. David Ross, I was not a fan of him. I watched him blow games with some of his bad decisions. And now he got the guy from the Brewers who's been overachieving there. Let's hope that he can kind of put something together here. And the Cubs, I think, should get up to the high 80s in their wins personally. Plus, the Brewers are weakened now. No Burns. No uh, Woodruff, who they did resign, but I, I believe he's out for the year. So that's one big uh, rival that's diminished. So that's 14 games against them that are not as tough. They're not going to be as good. They got Peralta, but they don't have that the kind of team they've mm-hmm. had in past years. They're going through a little bit of a mini rebuild. So, yeah, I agree. The Reds are an interesting team to watch if they can keep their pitchers healthy. The Hunter Greens, the Lodolos, the Ashcraft, they've got, you know, De La Cruz looks like he's destined to be, a, you know, a big-time player. Uh, and boy, that's just some of these teams in the division, they are bad and they stay bad for a while. Like when's Pirates. the last time the Pirates were good, the Reds? I mean, it's just, it's such a depressing division. So I, I think you're on the right track there with the Cubs for all the reasons you mentioned. Thank you. The, well, the Cardinals were terrible last year and the Reds are the yes. only really com- uh, competition and they're interesting last year. I'm, you know, that's why I'm not making the division bet just yet. I'm going to dive into the Reds a little bit more in the Cubs. Uh, Cubs make Do you have a Reds division bet, uh, division odds in front of you? I could pull it up. Um, I could pull it up too. Uh, I think think the Cubs were plus 180. It's not uh, a bad number. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, to make the playoffs. Are, well, dude, I had plus money on them making the playoffs last year. And, and imagine how bad oh. of a beat that was when I took that. But um, Horrible. It's minus 120, and your win total is at 83 and a half, 84 and a half. That's an automatic over for me. And uh, also, man, I got to tell you, this. Uh, there's – there's just a lot of hype on this Cubs team right now, and I feel like their farm system was kind of developed. You know, I, I think, I think it's this is the year that you know, as long as Bellinger doesn't regress really bad, and some of the other guys, we should be okay. Uh, division odds, I just pulled up National League Cubs plus one eighty, Reds is plus three forty. So not uh, bad. Yeah, I mean that's not bad. You're you're playing against the Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Pirates. If you want to bet both of those, yeah, I I, I wouldn't say that. Um, That'd be a terrible bet. I really like your Rockies play. It, it, it's so funny. That's a low total, but sometimes the low ones are where it's at. Are they going to be the athletics of last year? It, you know, you can't get a ball wet enough to adjust for that ballpark. It's almost like the the humidity in the ball they'd have to put. It would be drenching when they're pitching. To the, like right. The ball be sweating, water coming out. You know, you can't do that. It's just such a bad ballpark, and uh, I think a lot of big hitters really take advantage. So uh, I, I, the pitching's terrible in the Rockies. I like that one you took. I think I might be playing that today myself. Another one people will like um, if you can parlay some of these division winners. Again, people are going to sit here and say, hey, it's February. I don't want to tie up my money until uh, the first few days of October, which I understand. There's definitely an element of that to it. But Dodgers to win the division, you parlay that with the Braves to win the division, you get that sucker down to minus 137. The Braves, the Dodgers are minus 450. I don't see any scenario they don't win the division. Uh, they can't have enough injuries to not win yeah. that division. And then the Braves are minus 240. Well, I still think they're. Uh, like Phillies are a good team. The Phillies have given them a hard time, obviously, in the playoffs, but the Braves are still a good yeah. five, ten games, probably better than the Phillies in the regular season. So again, you bring that down to minus one thirty-seven. Um, I don't I don't think that's a bad bet at all. All right, good stuff. Bring that down to minus one thirty-seven. Let's move to some college basketball then. And you know what we like to do, baby? Buy low, sell high. I've been told that I like to steal my guests uh, by low, sell high. So I'm gonna have you go first uh and see if we line up. And uh maybe you picked one of mine. Well, let's start with buy low. I don't know if it's buying low, but I am in on St. John's. I feel like that whole rant with Patino, the narrative was, 
hey, you know, the, the players are going to quit on him. Um, you, you know, you can't talk about your players like that. You can't talk to your players like that. Anyone who's played sports has heard a lot worse than, hey, you're slow. You can't defend. Uh, I like this team. They offensive rebound. They get to the hoop. Uh, Patino was a good coach, a good tournament coach. Um, I was texting you about it a few days ago because I can't bet odds to make the tournament in Connecticut. I know there was a plus price on them at some of the books out there. To me, they're at, I believe, 17 wins. They finished with DePaul and Georgetown. That would get them to 19. Obviously, you're not going to get much for, you know, those aren't quad wins. Those aren't wins that are going to help your strength of victory. But that puts you at 19 wins, and you get the Big East tournament in your building. So if you can win one or two, that puts you at 20, 21 wins. A 21-win Big East St. John's team from New York. You got the New York market. That's appealing for TV. Patino's a draw. That's appealing for TV. They would love to put them in one of those first four games, those Dayton games, that Tuesday or Wednesday uh, for the market, the draw. That's just that they're really, really good for ratings. Um, if you see anything plus money on St. John's to make the tournament, I think that's a good bet. That was a, a, a dominant performance in Butler. Um, a good win against Creighton on Sunday. So I don't know if this qualifies as buy low, but I still think it's a good opportunity to buy on St. John's. Uh, I got a good feeling they're going to make the tournament. Oh, I love it, man. Money talks, BS walks, right? I mean, seriously, that's yes. going to bring in ratings, and uh, and that's the way you're gonna they're going to go. I think it's great bet. So good stuff on there. Yeah, St. John's is in, and you know, I kind of wish Pitino yelled at his team when I was betting them about two, three weeks ago. Kind of, yes. kind of would have worked out for me a little bit better with that team. But you know, right now I can't, I can't go against them. That's for sure. They're playing motivated and they're playing better. They're something woke up in them. So we'll see if that lasts. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll go with uh, LSU for a buy low team. I know, I know. It's, it, I mean, it took them all year to figure a few things out, but they're above 500. And, and I'm not sure if it is in their minds or what that they can make the bubble. But the truth is, 15 and 13, you have a win against uh, Kentucky, number 17 on Ken Palm, Kentucky. You have a win against number 22 on Ken Palm, Wake Forest. I don't know if there was a look at quadrant one or quadrant, at least Kentucky's quadrant one. Uh, Texas A&M is kind of faltering, but you have a win against them. South Carolina has been doing much better, and uh, you have a win against them. I mean, it, their schedule is really easy. Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and Missouri here. I know two are away, but that just means you're going to get more value on LSU. So I'm kind of looking at LSU a little bit. Just I think in their minds, they can play to the bubble and maybe be in a playing game, whether that's true or not. So I'm going to look at LSU a little bit. Uh, another buy low team that I have, believe it or not, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, they've been terrible in February and terrible through the Big Ten, yet they can still get two very big wins here against Illinois at home. They have Purdue at the end of the stick. It's at Purdue, but they're going to put on a full effort for that. Purdue might not have to play for anything special minus it being senior night. Because Purdue's already going to be locked in to win the regular season, thinking about the uh, and the the Big Ten tournament, right? I mean, that's what very much could happen. It's not like losing. It, it's hard to predict motivation, but when a team's in, it, it's not. It's not you know something I want to be on the side of because you could see some letdown there and uh, and some relaxation there. So I think Wisconsin gets it maybe this week, and and I might be hinting that I'm going to discuss that game against Illinois. Let's move to sell high. Give me one or two teams trending down or that are overrated that might have some fade value coming up. I hate this Virginia team. I can't stand watching them. 
Uh, I think everyone, I, I think, you know, President Biden should step in and just rule them out of the tournament and just uh, do us all a favor. Nobody needs to watch this team. I think they're inflated, and this does preview. This does lead into one of my games. I just think they're overvalued. I think they're 8-0 and in games decided by four points or less, so their record's puffed up. They can't shoot. They can't shoot free throws. They are painful, painful to watch. They are right on the bubble. Uh, I hope we don't have to watch them come March. Maybe I do want them in so I can fade them. But to me, I know you know they're a good coach and they won a title a few years ago. Uh, I can't stand watching this team. I think they have major flaws, major red flags. Uh, I'm going to be looking to fade them this week, and I, I just I don't like this Virginia team. No, no, I don't. I mean, you're right. They were on my fade teams a couple weeks ago. I think um, their defense starts showing up, and then I was like, well, maybe I can start buying low, but nope, I was wrong on that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, this team can't shoot. Uh, they... It seems like the ACC, and contrary to what their own commentator saying, that it's one of the best divisions. I was watching the Wake Forest uh, Notre Dame game and said, and Wake Forest was clearly going to lose. And like, well, the ACC is one of the best division conferences in college basketball. I'm like, shut up. Nobody <laughs> thinks that. He's like, quit, quit trying to. What are you trying to sell us right now? It's not 1996, <laughs> dude. It is not. It's one of the worst. And I, the Mountain West might be better, right? It's like yep. seriously. But Virginia, and that's what they're benefiting from. They're beating teams like Boston College. You know, They're beating teams like Miami, who's just an absolute train wreck that's going to miss the tournament this year after going to the Final Four last year, right? They're, and the uh, Elite Eight the year before. I know, I know. Uh, Laranega, <laughs> he ran out of gas. And uh, so this Virginia team going to Duke, not, definitely not looking at that. I might look at the under in that game personally, but uh, we'll see We'll see what your thoughts are. Uh I'm going to be honest and say I think Duke is not the eighth-rated team. Now, I'm not going to fade them necessarily against Virginia, but coming up at NC State and then at North Carolina at home might be a part where I fade them. I don't, I'm not buying Duke. Um, I think it's the same thing that you said. I think it's just the ACC isn't that great, and they're taking advantages of beating some really bad teams in the ACC. And Duke is not the number eight team. I think they're probably the number 15th or 16th team in the nation. So they're going to be a little bit inflated coming up. Um, but we'll see what you th- – you already gave us a hint on what you're going to do for Saturday in this game. So we'll get to that in a minute. But my other fade team, I would say, is Dayton. They're not in a great conference. And the Atlanta 10 I thought used to be better. Um. They're not the 25th team in the land. I don't care what anybody says. This is not the top 25 team. I can name a ton of Big 12 teams that are ranked lower than Dayton that would smash them, in my opinion. I've watched Dayton play. They're taking advantage of some really bad teams in an overrated conference. Uh, I cannot wait to fade Dayton, and it might even start this coming uh, Friday, uh, coming into the games. So... uh, little hint let's talk about that too and first do you have any comments on my duke and dayton fates no i agree with uh i agree with your reasoning um and i don't need to hear any more discourse on court storming should they shouldn't they (laughs) fine whatever ban it don't ban it i don't care just leave me alone but i agree with what you said thank you well dayton does play loyola on friday that's going to be the one i'm i'm uh keying in on you know uh ken palm's got dayton by three or four points uh, I think the wrong team might be favored in this. Now, will it be that? Probably not. It's going to be a standalone big Friday game of a ranked team, or at least they're 25th in Ken Palm. I don't know. I don't really look at the AP poll much. But Loyola is actually a, a pretty solid team that plays really good defense, and they're much better at home. And 
believe it or not, their effective field goal is 79th in the land. It's not that bad. And uh, 38th in a f- adjusted defensive efficiency. There, this will be a probably a wrong team favor type situation. So just know that I'll be keying in. Uh, unless Loyal is a favorite of two or more, I'll be keying in on fading Dayton. And you might need to do that quickly because I think the Friday, uh, the, tonight's number is going to be a lot better than you're going to get tomorrow in that. So uh, any agreement there, Will? I agree. That will probably be, end up in my account. It's interesting how they balance these Friday and Saturday cards where the Friday card is so minuscule. It'll change once the conference tournaments get here and everything's kind of going to be jam-packed. Yeah. Everything being pushed back, but... During the regular season, like I mean, there's like a dozen, 15 games on a Friday. Then you look at the Saturday card, and it's like a, a CVS receipt where there's like 200 games. Just uh, I do wish they balance it a little bit more. Where I don't know, it's just so hard to handicap a card that's that long, that's that big on Saturdays. It is. It's very hard. And uh, yeah, it'd be great if I mean the kids didn't have school, I guess, during the week. But you know, it's just such a massive card. Yeah, it should be more on Sunday. I agree with you. We need we need bigger yes. games on Sunday, especially when it's not NFL season anymore. Uh, let's go right to the game then that you picked, or one of them. Virginia is going to be uh, against Duke and at Duke. Cameron Indoor. Uh, you know, Ken Palm says the spread is going to be eleven. Um, is this too high for what you're thinking, or what do you like? What do you like for this game? Uh, total one twenty seven. It is a little rich, but I, I just I don't think this Virginia team will travel well. I don't think they'll be able to uh, just sustain any offense. I can't get that Virginia Tech game out of my head from a couple weeks ago. I just think this team is a fraud. I mean, they're like I mentioned, eight and zero in games decided by four points or less. I believe is the statistic. Um, they, there's just there's so many red flags with their offense, their lack of offense, their free throw line. Uh, I think Duke puts a number on them. I, I do think Duke wins this game by. I don't know, 13, 15 points. So 11's a little rich. I was hoping for like nine and a half, ten, 10, but I'm okay landing here. I like the Dukies. You know, it's interesting. It's like I'm scared of Duke blowing them out so bad that it does go over 127 a little bit. You know, Virginia's been locked down on a lot of these unders. Of course, they failed when Boston College had no defense whatsoever last week. But this, nope. se- this second away game, I'm thinking Virginia team total under. You know, I could see that. You know, it's going to be a 57, 58 points, something like that. And this could be just a situation where Duke decides to put on 75 points and they're stuck at 55. So you're actually at 130. You lose the total in the game, but you might be fine on the team total under here too. So I lean with you too. I think Duke could definitely uh, – I think this is one of those ones that you're like, just lay the points. Uh, don't look too much into it. Of course, you want to shop for line value. Always do that. But don't let the uh, 10 or 11 scare you. Making sense? Yep. And I, I should probably – I started to do this a little more, play a little more team totals. I do it in the NFL. I do it in other sports. I, I got to start doing that more in college basketball, especially first-half team totals because second-half things can get wonky. If teams are trailing, they can chase points and play faster and you know free throws and all that stuff. But first-half, you can really isolate your handicap. I was – I was looking at the one the other night, Cincinnati-Houston, where Cincinnati's team total for the first half was like 27.5, or something. Mm-hmm. They didn't come close to that number. Sometimes you can really uh, isolate your handicap and just do that first-half team total, another way to find value. There's, that's the thing. Like, There's so many markets now. Like, There's different ways to uh, to attack your opinion, your handicap of the game, where you say, hey, I like this team, but there's there's it's not like you know, when we were – I don't know, first started betting, whatever, 15, 20 years ago, where it's like, all right, you just have to either lay the points, take the points, or bet the over, or bet the right. under. There's all different ways to attack this now. 100%, man. I mean, sometimes the team total is a great bet. Unfortunately, the big books, 
DraftKings, FanDuel in Arizona. That's the one thing I don't get. I don't get team totals from them. Isn't that that's weird? Interesting. Yeah, that's I know. Interesting. It, they have so many different rules. Like in Connecticut, you have issues, yeah. and then we talk a lot about that. But it's like it, I can't do that, so I have to find offshores or other other reasoning to make some of these plays. So yeah, it's uh, uh, definitely a challenge for that. But no, I I'm I'm writing down Duke and Virginia team total under for sure to look at. Let's move to Wisconsin and kind of what I was saying here. I alluded to this. Illinois about a week or two ago was one of my sell high teams. And I still, just because I say, you know, two weeks ago doesn't mean it's still not coming into fruition here. I think Illinois got lucky a little bit coming, uh, coming back in one of their final games. Uh, are they th- the 13th best team on Ken Palm? I don't know. I, I think they're probably in the top 20, but uh, they should have lost uh, that game against, or they did lose that game against Penn State. They choked it away. Then oh, terrible. Uh, they actually should have lost against Maryland too the week before. But you know something with them is that they've been very hot shooting, but their defense has been bad. They've allowed over 85 points or at least 85 points the last three games to Penn State, to Iowa. I mean, letting Minnesota score 97 against you, sure, you're running and everything, but you didn't even cover that spread. You would have thought if Illinois scores 105 points, you know, they're going to cover this spread against Minnesota. No, they couldn't cover the spread. I mean, they've been a killer over team. And that's why this total is going to be massively juiced high. I mean, Ken Palm has this total as 157. I think this could be at 159 with the market uh, deciding that. But Wisconsin needs this game like blood, man. It's uh, They've been bad. They know they're kind of inching more towards people losing faith in them. Bad seed. Do they want a nine or eight seed and face UConn the second game of the season? No. Uh, of the tournament, they don't, and uh, God forbid NAT, but uh, they're in, in my opinion. But Illinois coming off those wins, like I said, Wisconsin's the perfect team to face Illinois because they have offense. They're not that old Badgers team that remember the head defense. Well, Illinois, they're going to kind of play a away team against a, a Big Ten home team. Big Ten home teams are 55%, 55.18% at home against the spread this year, 117, 95, and 7. So, you know, Big Ten home teams, it's just that home court advantage that's been hitting a lot of these big conferences, right? And uh, I expect a low spread because Illinois is better than Wisconsin. They're ranked higher than Wisconsin. I'm expecting to be minus one and a half, minus two. I feel good about the Badgers shooting 55.8% effective field goal at home. Illinois gives up a lot of points, as we just talked about. Wisconsin will at least have a matchup advantage in the paint. Uh, Illinois doesn't defend in the paint like they used to when they had that big guy there. I I think Wisconsin gets by, Uh, but I'll bet them the first half probably on the money line, and I'll probably bet them full game on the money line. Hopefully both come through, if not at least one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this was one I almost took too. I just I had a feeling you'd take it. Uh, I'm totally with you. This is a stop the bleeding game. Absolutely need it, uh, and I do think they get it. So uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but the the market's getting sharper. Where they do price in these spots, where like I just feel like in years past, um, a, a game like I'm trying to think, Mississippi State Kentucky the other night, like that was a good spot for Mississippi State, but they jacked the line up, and then Kentucky ended up covering against one one game. So. Uh, you can't really take anything from a one-game sample. But I do feel like the market's getting sharper and taking more into account these spots. I feel like you're paying the tax for these spots 
uh, where you did it in past years. Have you found the same? Yeah, absolutely. You're paying a massive tax in some of these spots. The market is smart enough to know that it's creative handicapping. Yeah. Creative handicapping is just... Duke, Duke Wake last week was another one where how is Wake laying like two and a half, three points to Duke? Well, it was a good spot for Wake and like that was built into the number and, and really taxed. Just like in Notre Dame ended up a six to six and a half point favorite. All the sites said eight, seven, eight points. I bet Notre Dame anyway myself. I paid the tax on it, but it was just it's it's not an average because if you're a metric handicapper, God bless you, because, man, I don't think that works personally anymore. Now, I do think it works some and I think it works during the tournaments. But I don't think it works during the season. And it just shows you that these home courts are, are expanded. Uh, they're, Kansas, Kansas was getting eight points against BYU at, just for being at home. I actually bet BYU, thank God. But uh, it, it, it got too high. I was just like, you serious? I have to bet right. this. And you're just kind of like holding your nose. You're like, oh, BYU showed up on the road. But it, it's it's getting ridiculous. But at the same time, it's coming through in most cases. you know. And so uh, – you have to you have to look at your creative spots, and I'm learning that more and more as these seasons get longer and longer for these teams. So, agreed. Let's move. Okay, go ahead. I wonder too. You no, know, I was gonna say I wonder too if the expanded conferences makes travel more difficult. Where these teams are going, like Texas Tech is going from Texas to Orlando back to Texas. Like you don't have with these expanded conferences, you're going to strange places, you're going longer trips where it's not like. Everything is condensed. I'm just throwing it out there. I wonder if that has any effect in terms of like making home court advantage uh, more valuable, making playing the playing on the road even more difficult. One thousand percent. Nobody's stopping. Uh, I think the point that you made, travel is is what it is. It's they travel a little bit easier and nice planes these days, but uh, it's still the unfamiliar environment. How often does Wisconsin go to USC? You know how right. how long does how often does Oregon have to go to Purdue? Yeah, you know it's going to be so different for what these kids sure. were as freshmen or sophomores. This I, you can see home court advantage being five or six points in these, and that's what I'm going to be factoring in. And you know nobody's there to regulate, uh, you know, calls. It's just the home team always gets the calls, and it's just the way it is. Sure, there's it's the truth, and we have to handicap that. It's our job to handicap that. Yep, it'll be interesting too. Teams like Wisconsin, like you mentioned, going to USC, these colder weather teams that go to warm weather cities in the winter, like for basketball. Or yeah, for uh, like uh, Wisconsin going to USC in the winter, where it's like it's cold in Wisconsin, but then you go to USC and it's hey, it's nice out. I don't know how much you know control the coaches have over like there's just there's a little bit of a vacation mentality for these uh, colder city kids when you go to that warm weather. So I wonder if that factors into it. They get a little too comfortable. They're not as focused. We've seen. Like Hawaii have these massive home court advantages, home field advantages, and all these sports. Because you go to Hawaii and it's hey, we're in Hawaii. You, you take the foot off the gas a little bit too. That's another aspect. Oh, absolutely. I think the you know the different environment definitely will make them feel like, oh man, I want to go check this out. You know, right. <laughs> for sure. Go to the beach, see what the girls are wearing, that kind of thing. Oh, yes. they're kids. Heck yeah, man. yes. Heck yeah. Well, let's go to a game that we both picked here, uh, Tennessee versus Alabama. Probably the best game of the weekend, uh, and I'm sure you agree on that. I, I put a total of my, uh, 164. I think Bama's going to be minus Is that two. first half or a full game of 164? <laughs> uh, well, probably the first uh, three quarters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I would not bet the under here. Um, I, I think that – it's going to be probably two and a half to three points too, if I'm going to be serious because of Rick Barnes on the road and all that. I don't know what your thoughts are. I'm going to let you go first. Uh, do you have a play? Is this, is there a reason you picked this game or just want to talk about it? I like Bama here. Uh, they, I mean, you could say this about a lot of teams, but they are much different at home than on the road. They defend much better at home. 
They shoot the three much better at home. They got a nice win uh, against Ole Miss on Wednesday night. But, man, they, their defense uh, is really bad on the road. It's a little better at home. And I just think this is a decent matchup where they're very vulnerable to, like, dribble penetration, allowing teams to get to the rim. That's really not Tennessee's game. It's more of, like, catch and shoot. And uh, what Connect did against Auburn was obviously incredible. He's a tremendous player. It'd be interesting what kind of NBA player he makes for But he is fun to watch. He, he'll be fun to watch in the tournament. But I agree. Rick Barnes on the road, Tennessee on the road, Bama uh, in their environment, in their building, will defend better. They'll shoot threes better. Um, this is a revenge spot. They got buried in January 20th. It was the day of the division rounds in the playoffs where Tennessee put a number on them. But yeah. Bama was, came into that game. I think Sears was banged up. A couple of guys were hurt for Bama, so that was not a good spot for Bama. Uh, I th think Bama bounces back and gets this one here. Perfect example game of home road splits versus metrics. Uh, metrics scream vo volunteers, but seriously, home road splits screams Alabama. It's just so interesting. The total is going to be high. Does it matter? Both teams play fast. I almost think that you might get a better live or second half over. Um, I, I, I'm a little worried that both teams could come out a little slow, but you know, you'll get a better number. Remember, live betting has been sometimes a much better angle when it comes to pre-flop stuff. Uh, Tennessee is great at home on defense, holding effective field goal down to 40%, but on the road, it's 48.8%. They are definitely getting scored on in the road, so I'm not taking the under, but... Uh, the Vols, 344th in road splits on Haslametrics. Alabama, 8th in home splits on Haslametrics. I'm, I'm taking the tide here myself. Uh, do I want to lay past three? <sighs> probably uh, probably not. I, I'm a little worried Tennessee could do a little bit to make this a very close game. I think I would rather take the money line. How about you? Yeah, I probably can find like a minus 145, minus 150 money line. You're probably laying minus 110 on the three anyway, so... Yeah, again, and, and you mentioned live betting can be a good angle, good avenue where, hey, if Tennessee gets up 5-2, to two, but then all of a sudden you're going to get like minus 125 or minus 130 on a money line. So, yeah, it would be Bama. It would be on the money line. If I had to take the three or lay it, I, I would still lay it, but money line might be the better way to go. Makes sense to me. All right, well, we have a couple quick more games. Uh, I have Gonzaga. But why don't we do? Why don't we do Kansas Baylor first? Let's do your Kansas Baylor first, which I find very interesting. Kansas coming off that big loss to BYU, Baylor coming off a nice road win uh, at nice. TCU. So, what are your thoughts on this? I like Baylor here. Uh, I think they'll be laying a short number. It's interesting they played a couple of weeks ago, and that was another spot where it was just so inflated based on the home road. Road stuff. I think Kansas got up to like an eight, eight and a half point favorite, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. Uh, and, and Kansas won the game, but Baylor covered. It was only a three point margin. I just think this is a good matchup for Baylor. Again, Kansas home versus road. They're on one of the, another one of these teams. Really good at home. Um, with, with BYU the other night being an exception. Nowhere near the same team on the road. McCuller can't seem to get healthy. And just from a matchup standpoint, Baylor's going to play zone and force Kansas to shoot. Kansas just doesn't take a lot of threes. They don't make a lot of threes. So turning Kansas into a jump shot team, keeping them away from the rim, which Baylor can struggle with uh, when they don't play zone, uh, I think that favors Baylor. And, again, I just I don't trust this Kansas team. It's not a vintage Kansas team. Going on the road and winning uh, in Waco is not an easy thing to do. So I think Baylor gets it done here. I agree. I think Baylor takes care of business. Now, McCuller is probably held out to the conference tournament, at least. I don't think he's going to play until the conference tournament. There's no reason to put him out there. You sit there and let him heal, and you have bigger fish to fry, right? Uh, makes total sense to me. He's going to be listed as questionable, which might give you a little bit more value on this line, Will. 
Yep, it's a good point, and, and you're right. What, what's the point of playing conference tournament? And even if he's not 100% conference tournament, maybe just wait for the NCAAs. Now, that's, yeah. int- that's a dicey situation where, hey, he hasn't played in a while, and you just throw him into the fire in the NCAAs. But um, yeah, obviously, they got a b- bigger picture, and we're betting these games. We're watching these games. But uh, from a, a standpoint of like what the teams value, it's all about the NCAA tournament. It's all about March and being healthy in a couple of weeks and not beating Baylor in a, you know, a regular season game or uh, even a Big 12 t- tournament and if he's not 100 he's not going to help you anyway so the goal i think is to get him 100 percent. so yeah i wouldn't be shocked that they help him out a little bit longer oh for sure baylor is going to be a great uh money line parlay piece too i think they'll be in the, like the minus 240 minus 250 where you find another dance partner you're going to get even money or possibly minus what are you projecting that line to be what does ken palm have it i don't have ken palm has five i or yeah five five. it's not gonna be five it's gonna be six or six and a half i would think just at least how can't backhands has been on the road which i still think it wasn't it eight in what wasn't it eight in in uh fog yeah yeah i think it was it was probably eight i have to look back but i think that sounds right like a 15 point adjustment for home court my goodness that was not that long ago it was a couple weeks ago it's crazy february 10th man and uh baylor played tough baylor played him really tough and almost won the game Baylor, I think, got the uh, rebounding advantage. They're 32 and 12 offensive and defense. That's uh, 44 rebounds to 32 rebounds. So, yeah, it's just, you know, Kansas had better players that day. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that it's just going to be a situation now. It's also without McCuller. I don't think McCuller played this game. Uh, I, you know, I, I definitely like Baylor here, but at least be a money line parlay depending on how high this number gets. But like I, like we both said, watch the market, get the numbers early. You can kind of see which way it's going to go. Uh, let's move on to Gonzaga, baby. Gonzaga is going to be playing a massive game now. They play tonight. All right. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I took San Francisco tonight. So people listening to this podcast tomorrow is either going to be like, ah, Kiev was wrong or Kiev was right, right? So <laughs> either way, I am probably betting St. Mary's in this spot. I think Gonzaga is an overvalued team. Um, everyone's going to be like, well, St. Mary's, they already won the conference because they're going to smoke Pepperdine tonight, right? So they're going to be like, St. Mary's is not going to care. Gonzaga needs it more. That's going to be BS because St. Mary's wants to beat Gonzaga in every freaking possible position they can, every situation they can. They want to show that they're the best team. There's, they took a lot of uh, stuff about the refs when they beat Gonzaga last game. And yeah, the refs were bad that game. But either way, uh, senior night, most likely, I'm going to be on St. Mary's. I don't even know if the spread matters to me unless it's like seven or eight. I... I I think St. Mary's clears this team. I think Gonzaga is just picking on a lot of small teams in this terrible conference. I will say they really stepped up against Kentucky, but you have to remember Kentucky plays themselves fast into trouble. They, yeah. sh- you know, it, 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 there are situations where you're like, you can't even think that this might have been that great of a win because Kentucky just has been so bad in, on defense and they're just so yin and yang. I'll be on St. Mary's. What are your thoughts? Yep, it would be St. Mary's or nothing for me. Again, I want to see the number with their style. They play slow. They're, you know, you don't think of them as pulling away from teams, but uh, I, I would be St. Mary's or nothing for me. And I'm with you on San Francisco on Thursday night. So hopefully we get there. Are you taking three <laughs> and a half? Or are you taking the money line? I took four. Okay. Um, I don't trust the money line as much. Um, I think I, well, whenever I take three and a half or more, I put a sprinkle on it, which was like a maybe a five percent or ten percent or something on yes. it. So that always benefits me a little bit. And nobody wants to uh, not hit a money line when you're betting a dog. So it's just uh, it, you know it's just part of the way I do things. So, but I'm not. Gonna I hope make San Francisco through. gets in the tournament. That's a that's a good team. I don't know that they'll get in if they win this game. Obviously, it's a huge step, but uh, that'd be a team that'd be fun in the tournament. I like that team. 
I hope in their minds they get in because they're not. They're not going to get in even with this win. But in their minds, hopefully they do, unless they roll through the WCC. And to be honest with you, anything San Francisco 10 to 1, 12 to 1, when that tournament up comes yet or up, no? no, not yet. Well, I mean, so I, some books might have. I will yeah. be looking at maybe sprinkling a little San Francisco. They're going to be probably on the Gonzaga side of things. So this might tell you sure. a little bit, you know, I mean, if you can have 12 to one on them and then they're playing St. Mary's here in the finals, St. Mary's might, might be a minus 300 favorite, but that's hedgeable if you're getting 12 to one. So definitely. Sure. Definitely. And San Francisco played them tough a week or so ago. That was like a seven, seven and a half point spread in San Francisco hung within the number. Yeah. Played well. I like the San Francisco team. I don't know if they'll get in, but me too. Uh, yeah. I, I like this team. Yeah, me too. I think uh, well coached solid team not great but solid yeah i like this team as well i've always liked this team uh what what else we got going on here i mean i i think i'm going to be fading tcu i think uh tcu on the road at byu probably six or seven point spread i'll probably just lay with byu i think byu's playing some good ball again and they're just a good home team as well a little hodgepodge on that one uh the big game creighton marquette we didn't mention that one Creighton's going to be at home against Marquette. What what a fun game that's going to be. Uh, any kind of inclination about what you might do on any of these two? Might be. Might, might take an over on, C, on uh, Creighton-Marquette. I, I could see that being a high-scoring game. Uh, Creighton, obviously, one of these teams is much different in their building. So, fun game. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see them again in the Big East tournament play against each other. And who knows? They might run into each other in the Big Dance. So, this might be, uh, this might be one of, like, three meetings between them and – between these two teams between now and you know the end of March. So that's an interesting game. That one should be fun. I think that's the Fox game. And then Sunday, UConn-Seton Hall. It's interesting. Seton Hall on the bubble here. Seton Hall, uh, that coach always does well against Hurley. Um, he, he's had a habit of playing them well. They beat him early in the season, Seton Hall did, uh, in New Jersey. So UConn's going to have revenge on their mind. I'm sure that will be taxed into the numbers. So I don't know if I want to get in front of this UConn train. But I think that line will be inflated too just because, hey, it's revenge. It's UConn. This is a standalone game. This is Sunday, noon Eastern. So that'll be an interesting one in terms of where that line opens. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I think Seton Hall is going to be playing for their lives. UConn might be coasting a little bit. Probably a tough place to lay it with UConn, even though I might not want to go against them either, though. So yeah, I'll, I'll be watching that one. I would say maybe a Seton Hall team total over is another way you could do it too. But um, yeah, I'll be watching that game. How how ugly is this game on Sunday? Ohio State at Michigan, um, or actually, it's Ooh. Michigan at Ohio State. But either way, what a! I mean, in football, it'd be awesome. They but... play football. Yeah, they play football <laughs> or basketball. Football, I might watch. They, they've actually they've done a nice job under this interim coach for Ohio State. He's really yeah. he's pushing hard to get this job. They've had some nice upset wins. I don't know that that's going to be enough. And yeah, you know, these are two teams. Uh, assuming Ohio State doesn't keep the interim, there's going to be some big time jobs open. Ohio State. Michigan, Louisville. This will be a fun coaching carousel in another yeah. uh, six weeks, a couple months. I don't know who's going to be up. Like, does Dusty May get a job from FAU? Does Beard get his pick of one of these jobs? Does somebody go down that route saying, hey, uh, whatever happened in the past is in the past, that guy wins? Um, it'll be interesting, you know, who fill these who, who fills these positions in terms of the coaching carousel. There's a trend that says if you're less than 60% win percentage – Late total overs are really hot. Kyle Hunter went over that last week with me. And uh, Ohio State at 16 and 12 right now are, are on the brink of it, but Michigan at 8 and 20. 
Uh, these teams, this could be just a complete offensive game, and you're not seeing a lot of defense. You know, uh, I, I could see a possible sneaky over in this situation here for sure. So I'm, I'll look at the total in that because right now, at least Haslametrics has a total at uh, 142, which could be low for the way these teams, two teams uh, have been playing on offense lately. I don't think Michigan's completely given up or anything. I, I've seen some effort from them. They're just inconsistent as heck. So I'll look at a total in that one. Maryland-Indiana is a, a disgusting game that you might want to look under on. 133 on Haslametrics. But, man, Maryland unders have been pretty solid. Yes, they have. And it, it was close against – it got really close against Northwestern. That's what Got it by a half point, right? I tend to – yeah, it depends on when you got it, where you got it. Uh, I think it landed 129. There was some, did it land 129? I think there was 128 and a half. Yeah, like I think it landed half. 128 and a half. So it would probably register. Okay. It would probably register as an over. But the truth is, I think any of the guys we know would have not played that number and got a better. Yes, one. if you got a good number, you should have won really either way. But yeah, Maryland can't shoot threes. They don't take a lot of threes. Don't make a lot of them, and they play good defense. So uh, that's an example though of where the first half under is just so much more comfortable. Yeah. First half unders. You don't have to deal with fouls. You don't deal with teams chasing points at the end where things get wonky. You don't have to worry about overtime where uh, they, these first halves can just be uh, be rocking chair unders. Meanwhile, the second half or the full game, even if you win it, you just you're kind of sweating the whole time. For sure, I agree on that one, man. First half under we'll look to. All right, well, man, I mean, we nailed a lot of games down here. It's going to be a fun weekend of college basketball. But hey, man. You've been killing it yourself. Gold Boys Discord, that's where my man is. He's on VEASAN weekly. Uh, he's on Gil's show on VEASAN. Follow, he's on Follow the Money sometimes. He's a guest. Uh, you also have an amazing Should Have Bet More podcast yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yep, twice a week. Usually drops Monday and Friday. Had you on recently, right before I think the Super Bowl. Uh, Ian Eagle had pro bettors on. Uh, Steve Fezzik, so always a good guest. Um, so check that out wherever you get your podcast. Should have bet more. Three words. And now, like you said, VEASAN, I'm on all the time. Friday nights, Saturday nights. I got regular spots now, regular hosting, co-hosting duties with Dave Ross and Matt Eumann. So appreciate you having me on. We always do these home and home. So I, I think you're due to come on mine pretty soon again. All right, man. I'll be ready when you're ready. Make sure you guys check out Will. Will, I'll be texting you this weekend. All right. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. Always a great show with Will Hill. Make sure you guys check him out. And my friends, thank you so much for listening to this show. It is really getting deep in college basketball, having a blast betting it this season. If you have any questions for us or a game to break down, please tweet us at the Ozbreakers. Email us at info at theozbreakers.com. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the games and go get some winners.